Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerged triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Here's Frankie to show you how. Well, hello there, and welcome to Mission Unstoppable. I have to say, my my, uh, Facebook Live is a little bit weird today, and I think I'm going to have a bunch of Hang on here. I, I have to do this. I'm sorry because I, oh, good. It's off. Okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah, this is live radio. I just love it. Don't you love it? Radio TV. You can see what a goof I am. Well, it's Mission Unstoppable today, and we are going to go on a mission deep into the heart and mind of a woman who knows that sales is supposed to be fun. Hey, why? Because she makes oodles of money doing it and loving it. Allison Edgar is the managing director of Sales Coaching Solutions, and she's the entrepreneur's godmother. Yep. She is one of the UK's top 10 business advisors and number one in sales and marketing. Alice is, Allison is regularly featured on BBC One Breakfast, the Sunday Times, the Telegraph, the Guardian, as well as BBC Radio for Moneybox. And she's recently appeared on LBC Radio. And today you're going to find out why she is a much sought after guest. Allison has trained thousands of people nationally and internationally. Her client list ranges from startups all the way through multinational conglomerates and includes Dragon's Den and Apprentice winners. A newly published author of the book, Secrets of Successful Sales, Allison explains her four pillars of sales, and she shows us why she has reached number one on the Amazon bestseller charts. Welcome to the show, Allison. Wow. Thank you so much, Frankie. It sounds really fantastic when you put it that way. Yeah. Don't you sound great? There's something yeah. happening not quite right on, on Amazon live on Facebook. I'm going to, we're going to go back. We are going to go back. Uh-huh. Hang on. I think we're going to go back. Yeah. We have to go back. Sorry, everybody. I know that you're hearing me, but you're probably not seeing me. Uh, we're going to go back. Sorry. There was something just really goofy. No, I want to do it again. <laughs> I want to do it on my own. This is so weird. I have never had this happen before. How bizarre. It's me. I'm jinxy. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) It's all this this red and yellow. (laughs) (laughs) The oranges are in town. Okay, we're going to go again. But we have the whole thing anyway, so that's cool. Let's see if we're going to, this is going to work this time. Touching this can take it. Don't put third-party ads in your live video. I didn't. (laughs) Okay. I have never, ever had this before. This is so bizarre. Okay. 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 Well, I guess we're good. I can see you. I can see you. Okay. (laughs) So I think we're we're on. Um, Good. All right. So... (laughs) This is Mission Unstoppable, and on Mission Unstoppable, I like to talk about, you know, what you do and, and everything, but I like to go back 
to the very beginning because people look and go, how come she's so successful? Was she born that way? <laughs> and maybe you were and maybe you weren't. I don't know. Well, I kind of know because I read your book. But let's go back to, you know, little Allison who five years old, six years old, who played with Barbie or whatever you played with. And, you know, did you, did you think, oh, I'm going to grow up and be the most successful entrepreneur? <laughs> did you know what an entrepreneur was? Oh, no. I mean, and I would, as a dyslexic, I would never have known how to spell it. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you play with? Um, so I had an older sister. So there's a seven and a half years between us. So um, my sort of best game was trying to play with all of her stuff without her noticing. But again, if you look, by the time I got to like five, she was 12. So she had like all the cool face creams and the cool perfumes. And it was just like, I was like that. Slapping it on, slapping it on. So um, I think, again, always I was quite sociable. And in, in Scotland, which is where I originally from, um, we would play outdoors a lot, a lot of outdoor play. So we played with the balls against the wall. Yeah, I love so, that. You know, that kind of stuff. So there wasn't a lot of space. So we want to play as often as we can. Nice. Well, okay. So your parents, um, just kind of average, average people, right? Like your dad worked at the shipyard and, and your mom did cleaning. Um, is that correct? Yeah. Right? So uh, my dad, yeah, he was, um, the QE2, um, was built and the Queen Mary were both built in Clyde Bank, which is where I'm from. And my dad was a draftsman. So he would work on the, the you know, the boards and things to get the ship ready. And, um, I, Again, we had no money, but we were always brought up, you know, to, with a really strong work ethic. And my mum wanted to be there to, you know, to send us out to school and to be there when we got back from school. So the only job that would fit in there was a school cleaner. So my mum would get up at 5am every morning, she would clean the schools, then she would come back and then my dad would go to work. And then um, my dad would come back from work at 5ish, whatever time, and then my mum would go back out and clean the schools again. So, you know, they had a... And you look now, Frankie, um, and not not all families are two-parent families. And although we didn't have any money, we were a very close family. And um, it was quite a, not a strict upbringing. I was a holy terror, to be fair. I was really trying my patience. And my sister was the most polite, well-mannered you know, child. And then all of a sudden, seven and a half years later, my mum and dad get a holy terror. So, um, yeah, but again, I look back at it with, uh, I don't know if I, you know, you never really miss what you've not got. Yeah. But I think for us, it was always the lack of money that was all a tricky thing that, you know, come the end of the month, we had to live on potatoes and beans. And I hate potatoes. I think I'm the only person that hates potatoes. So, um, but again, I, I don't look back at it. But I didn't ever really know what I wanted to do. You know, when I was at school, it was like, I have no idea. Never thought, oh, when I grew up, I'd love to be a ballerina or a nurse, nothing. But, do you know what? <laughs> I think I always wanted to be a travel rep. I mean, in the UK, they've got like the holiday companies, 1830. So I think I always wanted to be a travel rep or, you know, a bit of um, ear hostessy type yeah, things. Yeah. I things want to do that too. On the, on the radar, anything to do with travel and people, I think, were the were my big things. Yeah. Yeah. You knew that your strengths lay in chatting. <laughs> yeah, I certainly wasn't going to become a, you know, a financial advisor or an accountant nothing to do with numbers. although I like numbers I didn't love numbers I love people yeah I love that okay so you 
I think you were 16 or so, you decided leave home and your first job was at a hotel? Yeah, that's right. So um, again, my mum and dad, I knew that academia wasn't for me. And, and at that time, I couldn't actually work out why, because I tried, I really tried hard, but I couldn't retain information. So even when it came to, and again, I think when you're at school, you don't really know the path. And because my my sister had gone like a science path, she's a pharmacist. So I just thought, oh, I'll do that too. So of course I'd taken all the wrong subjects and I couldn't read the information. So even when it was coming to study things like chemistry, so I could, I can read a page and I can like, I don't know, 10 minutes later, I can't remember what was on the page. And I always had a big drama about reading out loud. And we used to, in English, have to go round the class and everybody would read a paragraph or a page. And honestly, I thought I was going to vomit at that stage because I just couldn't, the words just weren't, they didn't, I can't read them. Like even now, you know, as a, a grown up woman, if I read, I sound like I'm like five because it's, it's all very disjointed because the words go all over the place. So I knew something wasn't really quite right because everybody else seemed to be able to do that really perfectly. So again, a bit of my coping strategy was to be a bit of the joker. And and, and it was great, but I knew that school wasn't for me. So I'd said to my mum and dad, look, I can't, I can't stay on any longer. I'm, I'm 16 now. It's time, you know, I'm allowed to leave. And, they, and again, working class Scotland, especially in the shipyard areas, they were um when the shipyards closed it was really high unemployment really high teen pregnancy so like my mom and dad's biggest worry was that I was going to be on the dole or I was going to be having babies at 16 and And coming back on them yeah you know like oh so they said well you can leave school but you have to get a job so if you you can leave school if you want to we can't make you stay but you're not leaving anyway without a job so I had a good friendship group and I was going out with a boy in Scotland at the time and his dad worked in one of the hotels and literally, I just said, do you think there's any chance I can get a job? So that's it. That that very day or the next day, I got a job as a hotel receptionist. And I absolutely loved it. But it wasn't what I expected. So I thought a hotel receptionist did they go, here's your key. Checking in. Here we go. No. In small hotels, you do everything. So by the time I was 16, I was balancing all the cash registers. The, the bars didn't close till 1 a.m. So yeah. I was there 1 a.m., cashing up. And at the time, it, oh, this is going to make me sound really old, but it was life before computers. So it had to all be entered in a manual tab system. And again, everything, every, every bit of revenue that came in, every bit of expenditure. So again, I think that really helped me from a business perspective because I knew how to make the money, know how to balance the cash. I knew how to find the missing penny when the yeah. penny wasn't there. Um, so and by the time I was sort of 16, 17, um, we did a lot of weddings. So I would be emceeing the weddings. I'd be organising the weddings. I'd be running the chefs. I'd be, so uh, just literally over that time, I sort of began to find something that I was really good at. And I think for the first time, I just felt at home, you know, because school had been so hard that I thought, oh, this is it. And I loved the shift work. So we did late, early, late, early. And I loved it. I loved having, you know, the work in the weekends never bothered me. And it was just, you know, by the time I then became 19, I was head receptionist and looking after the hotel. So it was fab. I loved it. Yeah, I can see that you loved it. (laughs) It shows, you know, I'm very similar, similar experiences. and, And it's, I love that, that, you know, there's such a varied, um, 
you know, perspective to the, to the job, because, you know, I always tell people that you can take all of those skills and, wow. and, and, you know, transpose them to doing yeah. whatever it is in, you know, yeah. Oh, I, I can't do that. I've never done that. Who cares if you know, yeah, you have, you've done it as a mother, you've yeah. done it as a receptionist, you've done it as whatever. Right. And they, yeah. they can't see how that, that transfers. But I think any time you have a chance to do anything, it goes in your toolbox, right? For sure. And, and it's interesting because I, I look back and I think about like, you know, jobs and things like that and applying for jobs. And, you know, you could never really match the whole the whole list of what they wanted. And I always just had that line, like even you say, yeah, I've done that. Yeah. And even if you get to a job, and you start a job, you go, oh, we did it slightly differently in that role. How do you do it here? And I think as long as you can think on your feet and you're a quick learner, that that's okay, you know, because the skill set that you need for pretty much everything is is in the toolbox. Okay, guys. Okay, I got to stop you right there. Because if you've ever, if you've been coached by me or if you listen to my shows, you heard me do this. If, if I think it in my head, I can do it. Yeah, it's sure. exactly the same. It's exactly how I got my jobs in the past. And I've had like a hundred different jobs because I said, yeah, you know what? I got hired by the government. They go, do you know how to use um, PC? And I, I knew Mac, right? I didn't know PC. Yeah. Go, no, but give me an hour and I'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like yeah, three years later. Oh, how do you do that? <laughs> but who cares? I was already doing the job. They didn't care. Yeah. Didn't yeah. Care. That's the the and that's it. This is, that's the secret. The big we, we're like sisters from another yeah, mother. We are. I should have put my glasses on today. I feel like I should have worn my glasses so that I should straighten like- my hair. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. Yeah, I mean that is it exactly in a nutshell. And so we're going to talk about, um, you know, Alice. We're going to talk about your new book. Let's hold up your book. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Secrets of Successful Sales. And, and it's on Amazon. You get it. You know, all kinds of bookstores. And you taught in the book. You broke it into four pillars of sales. Yeah, it's really important to have that stability around you. Now, yeah. you know, you went to the Queen's tea or breakfast, was it the tea or the breakfast? You have to you figure it, to it here. Yeah. And, you know, like you've been invited and you've been honored and you've, you've gotten awards and all kinds of stuff for your sales. Um, but now you're the godmother and you want to help smaller businesses and new entrepreneurs understand what it is to sell. And I, I love this line that you said, your mission statement is when it's delivered correctly, sales and customer service are exactly the same thing. Exactly. I couldn't agree with you. Yeah. More. I've even got a little thing. I go exactly the same thing. So that again, it cements it when people yeah. are, are watching it because, you know, I so passionately believe that. And it's interesting because having worked for corporate, they've obviously got the mission statement and they've got the vision statement and stuff. And it was always just something again, because I can't retain the information. It was something that you just had to learn to pass the box to say sure. that you did the thing. And then someone on LinkedIn said, so what is your mission statement and your vision statement? I went, oh, actually the mission statement is really service are exactly the same. And then it came to the vision statement. I'm like, I don't really know what a vision statement is. And I thought, well, that's, where do I envision myself being, you know? So ideally, what well, you know, my vision statement is I want to be the Adele of the sales training world. Yeah, yeah. And it's not to be, and it's really interesting. I was listening to an interview on the radio with Sam Smith, the yeah. singer, and he's really quite an introvert. And, and what he said was, like, he always wanted his music to be famous, but he never really wanted to be famous. Whereas for me, again, I, 
I mean, the book for me has been really overwhelming because the feedback has just been amazing. People I don't know are sending me private messages on social media nice. to say how much that it's changed their sales, how much it's inspired them. And, you know, frankly, I'm just being me. And, you I know, know. This, the, the thing, you know, what you see here is the five-year-old girl who's the 16-year-old girl who's the 28-year-old girl who's the 50-year-old woman. You know, I, I am just, I've kind of just always had a, you know, love for life, love for people. I, you know, I never get tired. And, you know, even when we're working in the office, literally, I love to sing, I love to dance. And, I, you know, I don't, you know, people find it inspiring. I'm just literally being me. But if it inspires one person, me being me, then that's, you know, that's the Adele of sales training, isn't it? Well, you know, I've, I've interviewed a lot of people about a lot of business and a lot of sales. And yours is, you know, your book truly, it, I could have written it almost. It was almost like, yeah. Because we're sisters. We're sisters. We're sisters. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really like, that's my philosophy. That's what I believe. That's been true for me in my life. And that's, that's how it goes. Right. And, and like, there's nothing, there's a secret to it. And the secret is understanding who you're speaking to really. That's it in a nutshell. No, and stop yourself. (laughs) Just stop. Learn to stop yourself when you can see their eyes glaze over. Like, you know, (laughs) you've lost them. Sorry. Like don't keep going on. (laughs) so many people don't know that and I think for me um you know the the reason behind the methodology I mean it's I think it's probably better to go back slightly before that as to why I started the business because um I had always been an overachiever you know I, I worked for corporate companies I always won the prizes I had the big commissions I had the good car and I, I, I loved sales I mean I, I still to this day you know they say those who do do and those who can't teach ultimately every single day I'm still selling I'm still running a business right. so I adore sales and I love the thrill and I love the, you know, and I, even, and that sounds really harsh, but I love even the rejection because I think, right, how, what's my next angle back in again? Because, you know, a no isn't a no forever. A no is just for now. So you've right. always got to make sure you're looking for a different angle to go back. And I mean, what I saw, and again, a lot of people had a massive fear of sales and it's interesting because the working title of the book actually changed. The working title wasn't Secrets of Successful Sales. The working title was um, Selling is Not Swearing. Ah. And the reason it was called that was, uh, you know, I can go to an event or go somewhere with friends and they'll say, what is it you do? And I'll go, I'm a sales trainer or I'm in sales. And they'll go, oh, mm, like, yeah. you know, you can feel them like, they're, they're, mm. But I can walk into a room and have a conversation. I can use the F word and not one person even flinches. And I'm thinking, well, well, hang on. Why are you feeling like that about sales? You know, when I can, I could have said the F word and you wouldn't have cared. Yeah. yeah. So, it's got a know, bad rap. And, it, yeah. and is it selling? Is it selling when you're giving somebody something that they want? Or is it informing? Like when I, I, I took a, a, a life insurance job on a dare from a guy in a bar. You couldn't sell it. You can't do it. Okay. So, but the one thing I learned in, during that job, during the time I was there, there was one manager who said, everybody has the right to know. And when I got that in my head, it wasn't sales anymore. I'm just telling you, hey, you got, you got a brain, you got two feet, you can choose what you want, right? Yeah. But yeah. Here's what we're, ha- this is what we have here. I want to tell you about it. And yeah. you can go, you can stay, you can buy it. I don't care. Yeah. 
and that's it. You know, you have the right to know about it because you don't know about this yet. And that's it. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, you look at the small business community because that's again where my heart and my passion lie. And I do under my sales coaching solutions brand, I will work with bigger companies and get bigger budgets. And, you know, and, you know, all joking aside, most of the revenue comes from that side of the business. But my heart and my passion lie with the startups, the micros, and the owner managed businesses because for them, not so you know if you that's don't say bread and butter they that's it you know and it just and and what the reasoning sort of behind it was um i used to sell advertising to two people like that the startups the micros the owner manage the small businesses and in the uk um you know we went through a couple of recessions just to do you, as you did yeah. in, in north america and it was really tough and what happened was when their advertising wasn't working the phone didn't ring yeah. And when the phone didn't ring, they didn't know how to proactively sell. They didn't know how to. And I'll give you an example. One of the guys was a removal company. But as retail, uh, well, realtor sales, as a house sales drop, you don't really need removals. So he didn't, you know, he didn't really know what to do. And I said, well, why don't you wear your nice polo shirt? Why don't you get the, the paper? Why don't you look on the internet? Find out who's selling their houses. Soon as they're selling the houses, you knock the door and say, hi, my name's Dave. This is my card. You know, when you're ready yeah. to move, I'd love to help you. Be proactive. Right. And, and that was the thing, you know, and that every every little community could be proactive, but they choose not to be because they're reactively waiting on the phone to ring. I mean, it doesn't, they were And I just wonder though, Alison, I just wonder because, you know, you and I are idea people. Like we can get a, yeah. a gazillion ideas in a minute and throw them out to people, right? Yeah. But most people aren't like that. And, yeah. And, and, and yeah. so like, they're going, oh, I never even thought about that. I know, I know. And it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but they did it. So, you know, when we came up with that, I thought, right. And I, and the company I worked for, again, it was media advertising and they were in print and, and the more digital was taking over, print was declining. And, I, you know, we were we were targeted for selling things that I didn't believe in. Yeah. And I can't sell something. I cannot sell something I don't believe in either. So it was just, it was time. It was really just time. So um, I had no idea what I was going to do. I had no idea. So I phoned my friend in Scotland that I'd gone to school with and I'm like, oh, I have no idea. She goes, you're going to set up your own company teaching people to sell the way that you sell from your heart and from your I'm like, oh, I so am. So the next day I had the domain name registered. We'd started building the website. So again, it was really quick. And, you know, even then, like entrepreneur, didn't really think about that. I'm just starting a little business. And, and I started in 2011. And between 2011 and 2014, I think, you know, again, I'm sure you, your viewers can relate to this. Sometimes you think, oh, I can't do it. And I gave up and I started. And, you know, it just literally was, it was like a roller coaster ride because I, I just didn't have a focus. I didn't know what I was doing. I was frightened. I, you know, even I, I was starting to become fearful of networking. And I'd gone to networking and somebody said, that man needs sales training. I went, oh, he doesn't need me then because I'm not really a sales trainer. I've just like started this company. And, and it was just that whole bit at the start was really, really tough. And my husband, at the time I had um, two, my kids would have been maybe nine and 11. And again, touch wood, I'm blessed with an amazing husband who's really patient, Neil. And I said, you, you're, not, you're not taking me and my business seriously. And he went, Alison, I'm not taking it seriously because you're not taking it seriously. 
you know, in a minute or for a minute. Or, and, I, and I went, oh, yeah, okay. So in 2014, that's when I went for it. I went, you know, I limited the company, went incorporated in the UK. I went VAT registered. I took on a team. That's when I really started to not play at it, to go for it seriously. So is that when you started to wear pink? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 you know, I'll tell you the story with the pink. The story with the pink is actually quite funny. So we have a thing, and I know that you have it in the US and North America called Small Business Saturday, and it's sponsored by Amex. And it's a big, you know, again, I love community. I love being part of a community that supports small business. And what they do every year, they choose 100 businesses to represent Small Business Saturday. So... And it's really funny. It was quite a new campaign at the time. So you do a little video. I did it on, on my iPhone in the car. I sent <laughs> it in. I didn't even call it Small Business Saturday. I called it Startup Saturday. Anyway, they, they could obviously see my passion and they chose me as one of the 100, which was fab. But from the 100, they then chose eight of the small businesses to run a Christmas market in Downing Street. So number 10 Downing Street. Yeah. So they picked me as one of the eight, which was just, again, you know, these opportunities, it's just fantastic. But a lot of these things. But at the market, you were selling coaching at the market or? or, or Yeah, yeah. I like a little stand and I had my pop up in there and I was in like the little wooden grotto thing. And and other people were selling like maybe um, picture free. Yeah, that's awesome. I wouldn't have thought that. Um, you know, a couple of, I'll tell you an even funnier story. So, I, I, you know, so this is me. And I think this is when I had to pinch myself. I am at 10 Downing Street. So again, it's a bit like being invited to the, sure, the prime minister's house. It was massive. And I got there and because we were in the Christmas markets, we were outside and Michelle, who runs the campaign, was there and they're all really busy. I said, oh, I'm really sorry, but I need, I need a wee. Where's the portal? You know, where are the loose? Little portal bodies. And she said, Alison, you go and knock the door at number 10. <laughs> oh, I love that, really. Where's the loo? And she goes, you, talk, you knock the door of number 10. And I thought, she's joking you. She I, couldn't, I couldn't wait any longer. And I went up and I knocked the door of number 10. And I, I literally have to pinch myself that there's little old me from Clyde Bank who was brought up in the council flat that left school at 16 is at number 10 Diamond Street. Yeah. But before I had gone, I saw a picture of a group of people who had been at Downing Street before and they were all wearing black coats. It's winter, so Small Business Saturday here is in December, so they're all wearing black coats. And I'm like, how am I going to stand out in that picture? <laughs> so I, literally, again, it's just fate, timing. I'd gone to the store, and we've got Debenhams as our big department store, and there was like a bright pink coat. I'll have that. So now... And again, it just helped me to stand out. So as part of my strategy, I don't want to be in a room where people don't know that I'm in the room because otherwise I'm wasting yeah. precious time. So I literally everywhere I go, I wear bright pink. It's all over the book. It's just everywhere. So um, that's how the pink came about was at number 10 Downing Street. And since then, it's like just brand association, really. Sure. Yeah. It can either be pink or a tiara, one or the other, right? Yeah, I wear my tiara as well. It's cool. Do you? <laughs> Yeah, I've got a tiara and a wand. Woo! And, you know, I think that's another thing which, again, moved, it evolved. Because during the period between 2014 and 2016, again, the timing was great because the government funded the services that I delivered, or they matched funded, they 50% matched. So what it meant was, again, the really small businesses could afford to pay me 
but also I can actually make good money. You know, I could really start to grow the business, you know, get it up to six figures, you know, really start to, to integrate something good. And that was all swimmingly going really well until 2016 when the government stopped the funding. And then you think, oh, hang on. Oh, how am I going to do this? Because the ones that need me most, the startup, the micro, the owner manager, they, they can't afford it. They don't have any money. So I, I just thought, mm. and I thought, well, I, what I could go do is more, go down more of a coaching route. Um, but it'd have to be more of a too many because again, the one-to-one yeah, just a group. Yeah. to pay wages and stuff like that. So I've got a client in London who makes gin. And he is the naughtiest boy you will ever meet. I love him. We went on a global mission to New York and we nearly got kicked out of New York. Oh because my God. So naughty. He's just a naughty boy. And I phoned him up and I said, oh, Ross, I need a name for my personal brand. And he went, oh, that's really easy. And I went, is it? He said, you're the entrepreneur's godmother. I so am the entrepreneur's godmother. So again, um, just really, the name came to me rather than going nice. to the name. And I think that's where, again, working, I've got some amazing clients, you know, the one Dragon's Den, which is like Shark's Tank um, or The Apprentice. And, you know, just I've got a really cool group of, of little people that I'm the entrepreneur's godmother to and also, the, you know, the bigger stuff. So it's a great balance. So as, as the godmother, are you in a coaching role? Or are you in a physical, let me come into your business and, you know, show you how to run it role or what? what? Yeah, kind of both, to be fair. I like mean, I, I, try, I, yeah, I try and stick to sales because there's a lot of people who do general and there's a lot of people who do marketing or they do sales and marketing. I kind of stick to sales. So um, depending on the size of the business, what I do, so I do a live a live show called Easy Peasy Sales, mm-hmm. and it's a full day. So I, again, you know, you've read the book. I try and get as much of that methodology out to the people who need it as possible. So what I'll do is, you know, I charge, I think it's about £120, so I don't know, it's like 150 bucks or something like that. Um, but I'll have about 30 or 40 people in the room Um but again, because I can control a room that, that big and we do interactive exercises and literally throughout the day, I just see bing, 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 all the light bulbs going on. So that's the kind of core. And then I've got online courses. So this is why I'm doing more and more and more internationally because yeah. it's me, the video, and that's really scalable. So they can do that as a package. And some of the packages include um, one-to-one Skype or again if they're close by I'll do face-to-face but again they get me they get me to you know they'll say well, you know what's the challenges what are your goals how are we going to hit them again really focusing on sales and, and business growth um, and then again if they've got bigger companies I'll go in so I'm physically in there working with them setting the KPIs looking at the forecast and, and then you know literally working on what do they physically say when they pick up the phone how do they follow the process and how do they make more sales so there, it's really Really quite interesting because it's no two days are ever the same yeah no two businesses are ever the same but um yeah it's just it's, I, I found a little cool way that it all fits together nice nice so you talk about the four pillars let's talk about what the four pillars are we'll give people a general overview of yeah what you find in the book um yeah but, yes, i mean it's really interesting because when I, again, when I started the company, a bit like we were talking about with jobs, I started a sales training company, but I'd never been a sales trainer and I had no idea what I was going to teach. So I would say, again, this is this space between 2011 and 2014. It was like, 
just didn't have much structure. But again, when it all just fell into place, uh, because one of the core things for me is around DISC, you know, understanding yeah. behaviours and DISC profiling around the psychology of sales. So that was always in there. And then sales is a process. So, you know, you look at manufacturing. So look at Ford when they make the cars, it goes through the manufacturing process and at the end you get a car. Right. Sometimes right. things will fall through quality control. So, you know, you're not going to sell to everyone just like Ford. I'm not going to have the perfect car every single time. Then you've got strategy. So again, you know, talking about going to Downing Street, going to the Queen's Garden party. A lot of this came from my initial befriending of a lady called Emma Jones, MBE, who runs Enterprise Nation. So again, that's where the voucher advisors were kept. So again, a lot of came from a good strategy at the start. But the fourth pillar is the one that I see more and more often, and especially in women, unfortunately. And it's confidence mm-hmm. they struggle with confidence and the reason they struggle with confidence is they don't know the behaviors they don't know sales process and they don't have strategy because once you've got the other three pillars the fourth one comes and unfortunately if you don't have confidence in yourself your customers won't have confidence in you right. and it's imperative that you have that confidence so that's where the methodology came from and this revolves around four colors the red the yellow the green and the blue and and just again I was driving along the motorway one day and I'm going oh hang on so that's where disc is and again the red is like this the strategy that you know there'll be brief be bright be gone well well hang on a minute that's also the strategy part of my methodology wow okay that fits and then you've got the blue. So again, the blue, um, as far as disc goes, that's the, the really uh, task-focused introvert. So they're really structured and it's really, you know, detailed. Yeah. Well, hang on, that's process. So that's blue. So that's, we got two pillars. Okay. And then we had like the green. So the green are the relationship-focused introverts. So again, they're more harmonious. They're, you know, they're slower. You know, they're, they're, they're more thoughtful, more caring hang on, that's really behaviour driven. Oh, wait a minute, that fits that pillar. And then you look at the yellow. So the yellows are the relationship-focused extroverts. So they're all about people and confidence. Oh, hang on, confidence is that. So literally, just it was a eureka moment. Oh, that's my methodology. Wow, isn't that funny? It just fits around the four pillars of um, the colours and disc. So that's how I came up with it. It wasn't anything to, uh, literally, it was driving along the motorway. And I went, hang on, why have I not always been doing that? So again, it evolved. And and then when I wrote the book, it made it really, really, really easy to write the book because everything just fitted. If it yeah. didn't fit in the pillar, it wasn't in. So yeah, you know, we, and I didn't know, like, I heard a disc, but I, I'd never really, you know, been analyzed with disc or anything. But when I sold, it was similar. It was like the ego, ego-driven yeah. person, the aggressor, yeah. you know, the analyzer. And it's yeah. like, you know, on a split second, you're figuring out who these people are, right? Like, what is yeah. going to do with this person? And, and you know, know the money person and the, you know, cost and this, this guy. Yeah. So the ego, oh, you want a Beamer, don't you? You know? Yeah. I'm going to be happy just having the, the three initials on my car. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll find you a great one. You know, that's the thing. And, and you just have to figure out who they are and what, what appeals to them. A lot. A lot of the time people will do it instinctively. Yeah. And there's loads of tools. So you've got Myers-Briggs, you've got Belbin, you know, there's loads of tools out there that do sort of similar. 
But you tend to find a lot of people in sales are not academic. So when it comes to explaining it, everybody's heard of red, green, yellow, and blue. They've all, they right. all know the colors. Right. So that's why, again, I don't even talk, you know, people will talk in the, you know, the disc language. I just talk color because if you start to move into yeah. um, the different words, people go, what one was that again? Whereas I think if you just stick to And color, besides, you can't, give the, you can't give your customer a test in the middle of talking to them. Going, I need to know what you are. <laughs> I need to know how to sell you. Okay. Like, What's but it's interesting because you can tell them. I mean, we were talking off air about um, like retail and, and, and being served. And, yeah. and we, we, we're sisters from another mother. So we're both, we're both orange. And we both get that impatience because we're task-focused extroverts. So we want to be brief, be bright, be gone. Don't waste my time. Right. But again, you know, it's easy to pick that up, even from just somebody's like breath. You know, we, we've got the self-scan units and stuff. And if you're struggling to get your vegetables to scan, there's always somebody behind you going, <sighs> you know, even then you start to pick up the, the extroverts because introverts don't want to stand out by huffing and puffing. And again, they're task focused. They just want to get their vegetables and get out the store. So, um, and the other thing, I mean, to me, again, something that I've created that I don't, you know, I've not really seen anybody else doing that is using the colours and LinkedIn so mm. using LinkedIn photographs how to approach people differently because you know on LinkedIn what I see is loads of people just bombarding you with messages and it's like oh delete 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 whereas actually if they were to take a bit of time look at the you know if it's a, a, a red you know they'll be looking right down the lens if it's a yellow they'll have a pina colada and a selfie <laughs> if it's a green, they'll have the dreaded grey egg or they will have like their family or their dog or their kids. And if it's a blue, they'll have on proper shirt and tie formal wear. So, you know, even that's things like that, yeah. you can do it on LinkedIn. Yeah, that's interesting. I like it. And and the language that they use when they write about themselves too. Yeah. Mm, really interesting. And that's where, again, it, it's, it's so easy to pick up these little, you know, little parts and just to because ultimately you're people by people so you're just building a relationship and people by people who are like them yeah so it's again just trying to adapt your behavior to be more like them and it's the mirror too right i mean you mirror their behavior and, and it's familiar and so then they like you and that's the whole yeah. thing and it, just because we're an extrovert doesn't mean we can't calm down and talk be analytical what we no. have to say it doesn't yeah. mean that you have to be a chameleon For but sure. true you know, you never lie. It's just about, you know, becoming the person that they need you to be for them. And yeah. And, and I think it's about one of the not the lying. And I think people are, oh, salespeople are big liars. No, you yeah. don't lie. I think the key word is genuine. Yeah. Genuine. Like, you know, if you're going to adapt to somebody and you're starting to talk about how they feel and, you know, you know what they think, you know, again, you, you have to slow down your pace and make sure it's, you know, but actually genuinely care. If they tell you that their dog Rover has got a broken leg, remember, you know, how's Rover? How's Rover? How's yeah. the leg? Don't just go, oh, well, that's great. Thanks for that. And then move on to something else. Genuinely care about their needs and genuinely listen. I think it's, you know, to me, it's just that word genuine because yeah. we can all chameleon, we can all adapt, but people can see fakers. So again, it's, it's don't be a faker, be genuine with your adaption. You know, one of the, one of the great interviews I had really early on was with Ivan Meisner from BNI and, you know, wonderful networking group and business group. And, yeah. you know, Ivan, Ivan's thing is, you know, you, 
givers get. And so you, you give, you offer, you offer your services, you offer yourself. What can I do for you first? And, and not just ask because people are like, Oh, you're just using me, you know, or whatever the feeling might be, but it's really a relationship business, isn't it? Sales is a relationship business. It's not get in and get out and I'll never see you again. I've scammed you. It's like, I, why would I want to, you know, have to get this customer back over and over and over like in a restaurant, I had, I had lunch in a restaurant where a waitress threw my coffee at me. It was a chip cup. It was this, it was that. And I said, could I please have another cup? This is chipped and it's cold. And so she came back with the same cup and threw it at me again. And I'm like, okay, what did I do here? I was with a a friend and and I said, okay, we're going to share the sandwich. Just have it cut in half. Oh, you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that here. What do you mean? I'm not allowed to do that here. I will pay the money for the full price and I'm going to cut it in half and share. You don't want to cut it? Fine. I'll do it myself. No big deal. By the time I left that restaurant, I'd seen the manager and I said, you need you need to have training here because yeah. these people don't understand. These weight people don't understand. They're entrepreneurs. Yeah. And every time you kick a customer out, you've got to try to get a new one. But I could come back yeah. every Friday and be yeah. in your in your thing and give you really big tips. You don't know that yet. Know but you would if you treated me nice, you know? It's really so short-sighted, it's isn't it? Very yeah. short-sighted. They don't see it. And most businesses, you are an entrepreneur, even if you're an entrepreneur. Uh, I, I, you know, I couldn't agree more with it. And, you know, people say, well, wait a minute, how, why were you an overachiever? And, and, you know, why were the other achievers in, in your team? And, they, you know, I always felt like I ran my own business. I always. Yes. In fact, I was probably really hard to manage because I would always, you know, rage against the machine when I, you know, if the customer wasn't getting served correctly or, you know, again, trying to sell them. to drive me crazy. And it's like, well, well, no. And I think we used to have this thing called feed the producer. And what it would be is that you all got, you know, your allocation of accounts. But again, you know, sales, there's a high turnover. People leave. So there's always like an excess of um, <laughs> customers. And you used to get paid additional on this. So literally, I would work really fast. And again, but good service. You know, I would always give the customers time. But again, I was really hot on my paperwork, really organized. So anytime there was feed the producer, I was like, pick me, pick me. Because I'd get a good return on it. But that's where you made the money. And I thought, you know, why are all, why is not everybody thinking like that? Because they weren't thinking entrepreneurially. They weren't thinking like they were running their own business. And I've got, I do customer service training as well. And this is one of the things, again, um, the slides are more or less the same as I teach for sales, but it's yeah. what would I do if it was my, so again, around the mindset, you know, if it was your, what would you do if it was your, if say for example, it's retail, what would you do if it was your first day? Well, you would turn up on time, you would look smart, you know, you would have made an effort, you, you, you know, you would take your lunch break at the right time. And it's things like that. Again, you know, you look at that waitress, you know, she probably hasn't washed her uniform. Again, I haven't seen her, but I've now got... No, yeah, yeah. You know, you know she's coffee and she's throwing it. And, you know, what would you do? And also, you know, another one is, what would I do if it was my grandma? Mm -hmm. You know, would you do that if it was your grandma? And then what would you do if it was your business? Literally, would you be doing that? And again, if everybody felt like they were running their own business, then the business would run like the the service business and the sales business that everyone would want it to. And even if it's not your own business, if you ran it like it was your business, you're going to move up. You're going to move up. They're going to see that, right? They're going to see that. Well, you know, anything in, you know, the service sector, everybody, that's how do you get the big tips? You give great service. That's right. You know, especially in the UK where it's not standard to tip. 
you know, not everybody in the UK gets a tip at the end of the cup of coffee. You've oh, got to get yeah. so, you know, and but you can get really good tips. That's what I learned in hospitality. I love tip. And you know what? And that's where I started when I first started working. And because of that, I never wanted a job where I got a salary. I go, I want to be on commission. I, I just want to be, and people, are you crazy? No, because I never wanted a ceiling to the, yeah. how much I was allowed yeah. to make. Yeah, 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 definitely. Be yeah, your be your own boss. And even, even when I, I, you know, I worked for the government, they asked me to work for them. I said, okay, but don't clock watch me. Yeah. T- tell me when you need this done by and yeah. I will have it there ready. But I, I'm not going to be here nine to five. I can work from here. I'm flexible. I need flexibility. It's part of my core, um, you know, values. And that's the other thing you have to live according to your core values in alignment or you're not happy. One of mine are creativity and flexibility. And so if those aren't present, then I'm not going to be a happy camper. And it's interesting because that's in the book. We talk about the reds don't like to be micromanaged. Boom. (laughs) I do not like to be micromanaged. I'm very good at, at, you know, time and, and efficiency and getting things done when it has to yeah. be done by. As a matter yeah. of fact, I probably work better under pressure, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> as most reds do. So yeah, I mean, that, that's really the thing is that anybody can sell anybody. You just yeah. have to be a little bit observant. I agree. And I think one of the things, you know, what would I say the one, the most common faults are or mistakes that people make is that behaviors definitely. But the other thing is selling too soon. You know, is um I would say one of the most important things that I teach is around questioning technique because literally, um, you know, and this is in the book, look at three year old children. So as three year old children, we ask who, what, why, where, when, how, who, what, why, where, when, how all the time, open question, open question. We're not taught to do that. We're born to be little open sponges and we learn more about I have a bit of a hang up with these school or yeah, I can't remember what you would call that over there, but in, you know, the, the junior schools. Because, you know, as a small child, age three, you would go from a small ratio one to one with a parent or one to two with grandparents or one to eight at kindergarten. So when you ask why, somebody actually will tell you why. Whereas when they go to school in the UK, the ratio is one to 32. Mm. So when you put your hand up and ask why, they say, sit down, sit down. Ask that politely. Can I? Will I? Would you like to buy my product? And again, in sales, it's your worst nightmare because if they say, no, I don't want to buy it, where'd you go? You're in yeah. a corner. Yeah. You've really got to engage. And, you know, there is, again, all over LinkedIn and things, but it's it's not what the customer wants. It's what the customer needs. And again, that's where it's getting this that to be the same thing. And you look at cars, for example. So, you know, if you say to like a, I don't know, 45-year-old man, what car do you want? Oh, I'd like a Ferrari or a Porsche 911 or a... But actually, hang on, you've got mm, you've got three small children and a, a large Labrador dog and only one car. So he might want a Ferrari or a Porsche, but... He's not getting it. And the, the, the boots. So again, it's asking the right questions. How yeah. often you use it? And, and you know... This is where a lot of people think, you know, there's the, the cliched line, oh, you've got the gift of the gab, you can sell. Good sales is not about the gift of the gab. It's about using your two ears and keeping this shut. Right. And that's where, again, you get your chance to talk, but you need to know what the customer needs because that's where it matches. 
and you know what I see a lot of times people just selling too soon and I do this and I do that especially on LinkedIn and I do this and I do that I'm like I don't care you don't even know what I need you're not talking about me as a customer you're talking about you I don't care so you know that's another sort of one. And when of people big- and when people uh, try to sell you something on LinkedIn and they haven't even read your profile, uh, it's like, would you please just read about me a little bit, uh, or or if you want to sell me something, figure out who I am. Yeah, I, I don't even need what you're trying to sell me. Like, hello, yeah. you just wasted my time. You know, we we look at. I mean, for me again, looking at the strategy part. So, um, you know, one of the things that people like the stories that that they like is, I last year. Um, I ran the first event in the Middle East of its kind in Kuwait. Nice. And what had happened was somebody literally just looked at my profile on LinkedIn. So they hadn't, they hadn't, they haven't proactively asked to connect, but again, keep an eye on who's watching your profile. And I sent a connection request and said, oh, I see, you noticed you viewed my profile. Were you looking for something specific or just to widen your network? Again, good alternative question because it doesn't sound salesy, but it, it's quite strong, quite powerful. And she came back and said, oh, actually, I'm looking for somebody to run this event, a first event of the Middle East um, on entrepreneurism and sales. Oh, lovely. When would you like to have a Skype to discuss? You know, you're not selling it literally. And then, you know, when I had the Skype, it was like two of the people from the event. And I was asking them, what do you want from the event? How do you want that? What do you want it to look like? So eventually, again, they were doing the talking. They were starting to buy me because they were they were know, buying into it. We were buying into it. And that was it. So we ran the event in Kuwait and it went really well. And, um, you know, that again, that's another thing you've got in your portfolio that just elevates yourself and, right. and the desire, raises the desire for people to work with you. I think that the last the last thing we need to talk about is the fear, fear of asking for that close. And that's a really big one. And I have found that most people, because I'll always say, well, which one do you like? Mm. They want to be told what to do. Mostly a lot of people want to be told what to do, you know, right or wrong, but you know, you can make, you can, you know, I'm not going to say when somebody says to me, Oh, my favorite one is the pink one. It's like, that's your favorite one. It's not my favorite one. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you saying? I I don't care what your favorite one is. Yeah. I don't care. (laughs) That's good Good for you. Oh, you like lamb. Wonderful. I don't, you know, (laughs) but, but so that's a really bad close. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But the closings that you, you know, it's really interesting because if I run a course at the start of the course, I get people to say, what, you know, what do you want out of the course? What are the goals for the course? And 80% of the time it's closing. And do you know what I love at the end of the course? The, the problem isn't closing, Frankie. It's they haven't opened. They're trying to close too soon. So again, if you say, you know, I'll again, go back to the car example. Okay, so, you know, um, this one here, we've got one which is the XYZ station wagon or the ZYE. This one's got five. How often are you using it? How important are things like petrol or diesel consumption? And how often do you go off-road? Okay, so this one hasn't got off-road wheels. What do you think about that? No, no, I definitely want the one with the off-road wheels. Fantastic. Okay, so it's this one. Which colour do you want it in, blue or red? You know, that's how easy the close is because yeah. they would go, okay, I'll have it in red. Or if they don't want it, they go, oh, and you would say, okay, um, so when would you want that delivered? Because, again, it might be that they can't afford the payments or, you know, it's just finding out, really getting inside the – the, the head of the person so that you're really delivering a customer service. And when, when yeah. they're given that, then great customer service leads to great sales. And, you know, when you come to the close again, it would be, so for me, 
you know, I, I've got to sell every day too. So I go through it and I give them the proposal and it's literally, what date do you want me to start? Yeah. That's the close. That is it. Or which date would you prefer? Um, would you want me to start on the Tuesday, the 21st or Thursday, the 26th? Yeah. What I suggest is you maybe get the date booked in the diary because my diary fills up really quickly. Best case scenario, we can change it. Worst case scenario, you know, best case scenario, we go ahead with that date. Worst case, we can change it. So again, I've given them an automatic close. I've given them an alternative close and I've given them a best case, worst case scenario close. But ultimately, I'm giving them a close. Yeah. And you know, go back to that guy with the car for a moment because he he wanted a Ferrari, but it wasn't the best thing for him. But you know what? You could have sold them hubcaps that look sporty. You could have sold them yeah, you know, loads of stuff. Go ahead yeah. and now, now you're starting to feel better about that minivan that makes you feel like, Ugh, right? For sure. But asking him what, what about the Ferrari he likes. So yeah. okay, that is. So again, that's where you, if you if you know exactly. it's fancy hubcaps, you can well actually an alternative than this one is. But again, finding it. Why do you want the Ferrari? Right. What about the Ferrari do you want? It may be just like some red car, you know? Yeah. But just by yeah. really getting into the psyche and, you know, what is it about that? Because I'm going to be the envy of all my neighbours, really. Right, right. So, exactly. But then again, things like that, he's a red. You know what? We don't have too much time, but I, I do want to, I want to go back to one thing that you had in the book, because this is important, that that the no and, and the delay doesn't mean it's, it's over. Like you delayed, like, Oh my God, you delayed this poor man 12 times. And I'm like, I would have probably given up. I was like, I don't care. But you know, he kept, he was persistent and he, like you were selling you tickets to the horse races or something. Yeah, that's right. You were busy. Oh shit. I just got in my car. Oh crap. I'm just going to a meeting. Oh, it sounds like a big lie, but it wasn't, but no, I really, really, really want this, you know, please, please. And had it been me, I might, I might have said, you know, why don't you call me at your convenience? However, that leaves them drifting out there, doesn't it? Yeah. So you I would want- never have phoned them back. And, it, um, you know, I mean, what happened again, I know we're short on time, but literally I did want to go to the races, but I'm just really busy. And I think sometimes, again, people are put off. They think that's a fall off. Um, but again, for me, he phoned me or contacted me 12 times. That was brilliant customer service. And yeah. eventually we went and we spent a fortune at the races and we won. Yeah, you got all your money back. Of course you won. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? But that that's a really important part of the book is, you know, the no. Because even in coaching, I go, you know, in, in sales, it's always um, a yes and a no, 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 no. Ten no's and a yes. And yeah. make it a game. Just make it a game. No, oh, I'm going to get a no. I'm going to get a no. I'm going to get a no. Oh, great. Now I'm getting my yes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> And it's, you know, I'm pitching for a big contract to one of the banks and I've been pitching it for two years, Frankie. Oh, two wow. years. And I've had a no, I think I've had a no three times. And again, I just go back with another angle. And again, you watch for change. So one of the things is there's been a change of personnel and that. So with change brings opportunity. Sure. So you open the door again, you know, ultimately, even when you get a no, it's not a no. You just, if you really, right really badly enough, you find a way to get it. Yeah. Wow. She's persistent. <laughs> and that's why she's the godmother. <laughs> Not the godfather, but the godmother. But a nice one with a tiara and a, and a, and a magic wand. Yeah, the wand. The wand. Alison Edgar, you are such a delight. Oh, my God. I just love talking to you. I could talk to you forever. And I know this is a whole bunch. You know what? I have to be honest. Our Facebook bombed. I don't know why. I've never had Facebook bomb before. Maybe there's something going on with them. I don't know. But it's okay because it's still going to be um, on, on YouTube later and it'll be, you know, the radio podcast part will be on the good radio network. And so we're, we're cool that way. And I might even just repost it. We had a little bit of some lags in there from um, 
and I apologize to everybody if you're watching. It's, it's just connection. Allison's in, you know, across the big pond. It's yeah, it's a long way. <laughs> long way. <laughs> but that's okay. You know what? We persevered and we got, I think you got the message, everybody. So again, go to Amazon, grab her book, Secrets. What is it? Secrets. Hold it's it www, www. dot com because you, you faded out there for a moment and and grab her book it's a wonderful book if you want to sell something if you are an entrepreneur if you don't know you know you're a little worried about this or that everything is answered in that book for you and you can start you know it's like the ABCs to Z of selling so you don't have to worry about anything except opening it up reading it. <laughs> And off you go to the races. Great. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Great. Right. Right. Okay. Um, thanks again. Perfect. Thank you, Frankie. Thank you. And I'm just going to, I don't think we're there anyway. I'm going to stop the recording now. <laughs>